0: morning, church, and man, what a great day to be together here. The fall temperatures are slowly setting in. The summer's trying to hold on a little bit longer. As Justin mentioned, it felt great outside this morning, and it's so uh, amazing to see all of you here today uh, in, in the season of, of some challenge and adversity and and, and health and, and, and just craziness. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it just wonderful to be able to come to church? Turn, turn to somebody next to you and say, man, it's good to see you here today. <clears throat> then turn back, tell them how good they look. We can't miss that opportunity, right? I mean, y'all are some good-looking people in this room. And uh, as you do that, take your Bibles out. We're in the second week uh, of a study called Future World. And as we kicked off last week and talked about, we all kind of are intrigued by the future. What, what lies ahead? What's coming up next? And, and so we wanted to unpack that biblically because all the answers are right here in the pages of God's Word about everything that's going to happen uh, from here on out including eternity. And man, that's something we get lost on quite often, that there is an eternity. Everybody's going to live forever. And like I've said for many, many years as a preacher of the gospel, everybody lives forever. It just depends on where you're going to be, right? I mean, it's location. That, that's the key. So the topic of biblical prophecy, and today we're talking about, so last week we talked about signs. This week we're talking about the sequence of events, coming attractions. How many of you are movie buffs and you really like to go to the movies more so for the coming attractions they always show before the main event, Right. Well, we're talking about the coming attractions this morning and the topic of biblical prophecy and the end times is always fascinating and popular, but even more so when you have events like we've had over the last several weeks and and months where things just seem to be more chaotic, more crazy, more anti-God than ever before in our day and time to the point that all of these things are lining up with scripture as we looked a little bit at last week. So it's a very hot subject and hot topic right now because people want to know what's happening and what's going to happen now one thing that makes it particularly interesting is that we are talking about things that we will have a part of and we will take part in so that just ups the ante right I mean we're going to be all in this stuff as it unfolds so that's that's exciting to me it's scary to a lot of people it doesn't need to be scary because this is good news turn to somebody and say it's good news The Bible sequence of events, I'm just going to tell you up front here, there's going to be a lot of stuff we unpack over the next few moments, so you're going to have to go back and watch this maybe a couple times this week and take out your notebooks and write down some notes, but the Bible sequence of events is this, rapture, tribulation, second coming of Christ, millennium, new heaven, and new earth, and we're going to talk about those more in the next two weeks. The subject we're looking at this morning is the area that's often confused, and that is the areas of the rapture and the second coming of Christ. They are very, very often confused with one another. Sometimes it's difficult to determine whether a scripture is referring to the rapture or the second coming. So, for us to understand the scriptures clearly, it's very important that we differentiate between these two separate and different events. Now, as an example of how to separate, uh, but how, how two separate but connected events can be confused with one, with one another, in the Old Testament, you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to just reference a couple things, there were two different pictures painted of the Messiah who's the Messiah Jesus let's say it together Jesus right he's the Messiah two different pictures painted one of suffering and those are found in Psalm 22 6 through 8 uh, 11 through 18 Isaiah 53 2 through 10 and one as the reigning king in Psalm 2 6 through 12 and Zechariah 14 sometimes a single passage of prophecy will be about both events, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, only half of which Jesus read and said was fulfilled in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 21, and Isaiah 61 through 1 and 2, already you're saying, man, it's a lot of references, right? That's why I'm telling you, you got to go back and check these out in the next week or so, again and again. Where Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 tells us, this, this is what Jesus is saying, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good things to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all Who mourn. Two separate things are prophesied in this passage. Now, as we study scripture, we see they predicted two different things coming out of this Messiah. The first coming was that of the suffering Messiah. The one who was going to come and and literally give his life for us. He was going to lay his life down. He was going to suffer all of the things that we deserved. But he was going to take upon himself and spill his precious blood for our what? Our salvation. Our deliverance. But the other picture that's painted of Christ in prophecy is that of the triumphant reigning coming king. Now. There are several main passages to read when you're looking at the differences between the events of the rapture, and if you're taking notes, just write that term down, and the events of the Lord's second coming. The rapture passages are 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapters 4 and 5 and 1 Corinthians 15. Now, the passages concerning the second coming are Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and Zechariah 14 and Revelation 19. One thing we need to keep in mind, church, which will help us to rightly divide God's word in in these areas as well, is to ask ourselves whether the passage is talking about Israel or of the church itself. Because we we need to know that these two are not the same. Many times Matthew 24 is often quoted referring to the rapture, but it's clearly talking about the nation of Israel. During the tribulation, the church will be gone and God's attention is once again on Israel as he is bringing them to himself. That seven years of the tribulation, how many of you ever heard of the tribulation? seven years of terrible times right i mean it's not going to be pretty we think things are getting kind of heated now and tough now and 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 really really difficult for christ followers believers in the church now oh boy tribulation wow you talk about bad times (laughs) that's going to be incredibly bad times. so the seven years of tribulation is necessary to fulfill the final seven years of Daniel's prophecies of the 70 weeks so let me just kind of recap this why is it important to keep the rapture and second coming separate and distinct well number one three different things number one if the rapture and the second coming are the same event then believers are going to have to go through the tribulation now how many of you say I don't want to do that amen I don't either sister I don't want to be here for that. I don't want nothing to do with it. But if they were the same thing, then we would have to go through the tribulation, those of us who are believers, even though we are promised to be rescued from the wrath in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, and Revelation 3, verse 10. So, you can check those scriptures out, write them down, go back and look at them later. We're promised that we will not have to go through the tribulation period or the wrath period. Now, number two, if the rapture and second coming are the same event, the return of Christ then is not imminent. There are many things which must occur before he can return. Matthew 24, 4 through 30 talks about that. We referenced some of those last week. Number three, in describing the tribulation period, Revelations chapter 6 through 19, nowhere mentions the church. Isn't that comforting to know? That the church is not talked about in those chapters describing the tribulation that is to come. During the tribulation, God will again turn His primary attention to Israel, which Romans eleven seventeen through thirty one tells us. Now, those are some some key things we've got to remember to differentiate between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Now, as we finish up this morning, I want to give you uh, seven key truths that we need to keep in mind concerning these two separate events that we're going to finish with today. The first one talks about this, the location of Christians. How many of you have ever dealt in the real estate world? If you have, you know one of the key slogans is in real estate is location, location, location. And as important as it is in real estate, it is way more important. When concerning the future world that we are going to live in. So, location of Christians. The first difference to observe is where Christians are going to be. Because in the rapture, believers are called to do what? Meet Christ where? Where was that? Say it out loud. In the air close we're going to heaven we're meeting him in the air man i love that i mean can you think about that first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 17 says in an instant the dead in christ will rise they are going to resurrect from the god although their spirit is already at home the bible says to be absent from the body as a believer is to beware To be present with Christ. But man, they're going to rise to meet him in the air. And then in an instant, uh, the the, the dead in Christ will rise. And the believers who are left will then be called away right on their their tails. I mean, right behind them. It's going to be whoop whoop. Can can you picture that? In an instant. How how quick is an instant? I'm going to tell you, it's faster than instant grits. How many of you make instant grits? I mean, it still take, what, about 60 seconds, 90 seconds in the microwave? They're instant, but they're not as instant as this is going to be when we're called to meet him in the air. We talk about Jesus calling his people home. That's the key right there in the case of the second coming. The Bible tells us that Christ returns with angels and thousands upon thousands of his holy ones who are coming with him in Revelation 19, 14. And then he sets foot on the Mount of Olives and the battle and in battles the armies gathered against him in the valley of what? Armageddon. Now, this can be seen in Revelation 16, 17, 14, 19, 11 through 19 in Zechariah 14. Those who teach a post-tribulation return come up with the yo-yo problem. And here's how that looks. Christians would be raptured to meet the Lord in the air and then immediately descend to earth with him to fulfill this. This is a mistake many make because they do not look at the other differences surrounding the two events. So, location. Where are we going to be? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be with Christ when he calls us home. Now, who does he return with next on our our list? The, The next difference is who will be with Christ? When the rapture is described, we see Christ returning alone. When the second coming occurs, he returns with angels and Christians. Jude 14, 15 uh, describes this as well as Zechariah 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That's plural, ten thousands of his saints. Verse 15, To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed and And of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now think about that. Every deed, every action, every decision to rebel against God. Now now hear me this morning. And every word to rebel against God, to curse God, to come against God. Will be dealt with by God at that time. There are scoffers. There's always scoffers. Peter talked about that in his writing. There's are scoffers that'll rise up in the last days and say, where is he at? We've heard of his coming for years, but we still don't see him scoffing, waving a fist in God's face. And here in the prophecy we just read, we see that every action and every word will be dealt with by God when Jesus comes again. I'm going to tell you something. That's why we plead with people. That's why we preach truth. That's why we love people. That's why we stand up and raise the banner of righteousness. Because people do not fully realize what lies ahead for them, both good and bad. There is a price to pay when we rebel against God. When we rebel against the creator of all that is. If we do not repent and submit to him as Paul did when he was Saul murdering Christians to converting the world. There is mercy and grace for everyone who will stand and shake a fist at the Lord if they'll come and repent to him. We see it here. Every action and every hard speech. Every contrary word, every curse against God. Number three. So what's the purpose of of these, these comings? Mercy or judgment now, the purpose of the rapture and the second coming have to be examined i mean we 've got to take a, a a deeper look at this for just a, a couple of minutes here. The rapture is viewed as an act of and if you 're taking notes, write this down deliverance doesn 't that sound good man you you probably like me i I get fascinated and pulled in by the the, the history of 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 events especially tragic events and and this last couple of weeks you know the the history channel and national geographic and and all these other uh, other television stations that do documentaries and stories about the the 9-11 tragedy that took place now 20 years ago it's hard to believe you blink your eye and 20 years is gone and watching those stories man i watched one last night called the 9-11 surfer have you have you ever seen that one and this guy was up on the 60-something floor of, I think, the the, the North Tower, the one that, that fell last. Uh, and 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 he he talked about he was with his coworkers. And for some reason, they just didn't get out of the building. They worked for the Port Authority. And the Port Authority actually owned the buildings. And he said, we kind of felt like, you know, the captain goes down with his ship. And we were waiting until everybody else could evacuate that could possibly get out. And then we finally looked at each other and said, we've got to go. And he said, by the time we made the decision to go, he said, we were about halfway down. We were about on the floor 20 or or 7 or 20 uh, stories up in the stairwell B, I think it was. And he said, all of a sudden, we began to hear and and feel this big rumbling. and, And we thought, this is it. It's coming down. And sure enough, the building was collapsing. And somehow... He was the only one in that group of people to survive. And as he put it, he said, people believe me, people don't believe me. But I literally rode it down like a roller coaster. He said, I could feel the the air pressure pushing me up and then pulling me down and pushing me up. And I was banging around. And he said, and when it all settled, I was seven stories up on the the rest of that stairwell that, that remained standing, laying on top of it. Thought I was dead, he said, because when I finally came to, I looked up and I actually saw blue sky. And I thought, that's it, I'm, I'm dead, I'm, I'm in the afterlife. But then he said, I started choking because of the fumes and the smoke and everything, and I could tell, wait a minute, I think I'm alive, and, and I was hurting so bad. And he said, he said, after a while, it took, it seemed like hours, that a, a couple of firemen actually had climbed up just to see, and there, there he was. And they call him the 9-11 surfer. Check that out. But you talk about the relief of being delivered, of being saved, man. What He he, he shared about his wife was expecting their their first child at that point in time and and how how amazing it was. He also, he talked about just the reality of of, of being spared and and what that means and what he should do with his life. You talk about the rapture delivering us from everything that's going to happen on this earth after the fact. Look at me and listen to me, church. That is a, an act of mercy. That is an act of pulling us out. That is an act of saving us completely from everything that of wrath is to come to this world. The second coming is going to be an act of judgment. This is a coming of the conquering king that the Jews looked for in his first coming. And they missed the suffering servant aspect of his mission. They said, that can't be the one that we're looking for. There's no way. He doesn't fit the bill that we have Put together in our minds as the Messiah. And so they denied him of who he was in their hearts and lives. This is the coming of the conquering king. When Christ returns, it will be a glorious day for those who belong to him as he establishes his kingdom on earth. But it will be a dreadful day for all those who stand opposed to him. Listen to me, church. The key to understanding the rapture revolves around God's mercy and his wrath. Scripture makes it crystal clear that Christians will not suffer God's wrath. Can you say amen to that? Can you turn to somebody and say, that's some real good news right there. In addition, 1 Thessalonians is Revelation 3.10, Romans 5.9. The rapture is God's way to prevent Christians from suffering the wrath that is to come. It also removes the church so that the focus can return to Israel. Number four, who is taken who, who Who is leaving? The focus of the rapture and the second coming is placed upon two different sets of people. Listen to me, church. The rapture is the removal of believers from the earth as an act of deliverance, as we just spoke of. And Matthew 25, 1 through 13 tells the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins, those who had extra oil as we touched on last week and were waiting and prepared for the return of the bridegroom, were taken while those who were foolish and ran out of oil were left behind. The second coming paints just the opposite picture. The second coming includes the removal of unbelievers as an act of judgment. In the parable of the tares, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus instructs that the harvesters allow the weeds to grow among the wheat until the time of the harvest, and then the weeds are gathered together and thrown in the fire to be burned. Matthew 24, 37 through 42. Jesus speaks of how the days will be like that of Noah, as we referenced last week, and his coming would be unexpected, as we touched on. Many have mistakenly interpreted this passage to be in reference to the rapture. I think we should see a different picture here. The unsaved are being removed. The believers that are alive at the end of the tribulation, which there will be some, will enter into the kingdom as they are. Church, we've got to recognize who the illustration is about in the days of Noah. It was the unrighteous who were not looking for the Lord and went about as they pleased, doing their daily business in their lives. These people were swept away in the flood while the righteous Noah and his family were all saved on the ark. The coming of the Lord will be like the flood and will sweep away the wickedness of this world. I'm telling you, folks, this is what lies ahead. This is the future world. These are the things that will usher in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, number five, who's going to see this? Who's going to witness these separate events? From our passage in 1 Corinthians, we find that the rapture will be what? Instant, as as we talked about a few moments ago. And it will be secret in a sense. I mean, follow me with this. Again, the Bible says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trump. For the trumpet shall what? Shall sound. I've referenced it probably a thousand times in my ministry. This is one of my favorite things. That one day church, hear me well. One day. I mean, we hear it so much So, I just said, sometimes we get numb to things like the blood. Oh yeah, we go, thank you for the blood. No, the blood of Christ is our salvation, is our atonement, is the only thing that will cleanse us and wash our sins away. The trumpet will blast. I know most of us who grew up in church have heard that so many times that we're like, oh yeah, the trumpet's going to blast. No, the trumpet's going to blast. And in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, every Christ follower will be evacuated. I love that. We're going to be gone. We're going to be removed. Quicker than you can say spit, we're going to be out of this place. I love that. That's not what the Bible says. That's my Thompson version. Excuse me for that. And the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. And then it goes on and says, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, and we shall be changed. Would you write that word changed down? There's there's just something about that. And we're going to touch on in a moment. Listen to me. No one will be able to witness it. You might want to write this statement down. No one is going to be able to. It's going to happen so fast. You ever have one of those moments just take place that, that, man, you didn't have your camera. We were down at the beach uh, with the men fishing last week, and and we were just sitting on the beach there one afternoon. It was a beautiful day, and just kind of chilling and talking about things. And all of a sudden, man, the shark, shark, comes up. I mean, like just you know four or five foot out into the to the waves where they were lapping on the shore. I mean, there is shark. It's like a five foot shark comes and just flipping around and moving, and you could see the dorsal fin coming out. And man, all of a sudden, all of us were like putting the brakes on right there at the edge of the water, wanting to get a closer look but not want to get too close, you know. And, and, and I, I had grabbed my phone to do what? Take a picture. And fortunately, he hung around long enough and just swam up and down for about five minutes right there in front of us, kind of taunting us, you know, like, this is my territory. Don't even think about coming out here. But I started snapping pictures. But there's been so many opportunities. I wish I could have gotten a picture, but it happened so quick so fast it just wasn't possible this is one of those occasions it's going to be secret in a sense that there's no way you're going to be able to witness it but what we will witness or some will witness is the after effects <laughs> what happens afterwards i remember growing up in movies about the rapture and, and, and tv shows about the rapture and stuff where where people were gone all of a sudden all was left with their shoes and their clothes and just whoop the Bible talks about it. Two will be walking together. Two will be working in a field. One gone, one remains. What's going to remain of the one that's gone? We're going to need these clothes anymore, right? I don't know what all that looks like, but we use our imagination to that. But I do know this, that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus is going to take us home to be with him. And nobody's going to be able to witness it. But everybody's going to be left Witnessing the after effects of it. On the other hand, the Lord's return to earth will be very, very visible. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, verses 27 and 30. and Revelation 1-7, it declares that all will see him as he returns. Matthew 24-27, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Behold, he comes with the clouds and every eye will see him. Write that down. He's coming with the clouds in his second coming. And every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of all earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen, says Revelation 1.7. The people of the earth will mourn as they witness the Lord's return. We also learn that Jesus will return in the same way in which he left. If you remember that occasion in Acts chapter 1 verse 11, it tells us that Jesus will come back in the same way which you've seen him go into heaven as was told to all of his disciples. The prior verses tell of Jesus rising slowly and visibly as the disciples watched until he was hidden in the clouds. Could you imagine being there on that day? The one that you loved that that gave his life for you. And he's telling you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And because I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, says John's writing, that where I am, what? What was that? There you may be also. He says, I will come again the second time in the same manner in which I went away. What about the timing of it? It's clear from Scripture that no one knows exactly when the Lord's return will be. No man knows the day nor the hour in, in regards to both his return in the air and his coming to earth. However, we find from Scripture that the rapture is imminent while Christ's second coming follows certain recognizable events. Our rapture passages, again, we referenced earlier, make it clear that the Lord's return is imminent. We find from Revelation 3, 3 that the Lord's return will also be like a thief. Those who are not watching will be very surprised. The Lord's second coming must be preceded by certain events, however. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, we learn that the Antichrist must first be revealed. He will then be destroyed by the splendor of Christ's coming. The events of Matthew 24, 4 through 30 need to take place before Christ's second coming as well. This passage is often used as proof that we are living in the end times and that Christ will soon return. Indeed, we have seen a rise in many of these things in our very lifetimes. However, there's going to be a much greater increase During the days of the tribulation. We know that this passage is not simply referring to the days before the rapture. Because in verse 15, it speaks of the abomination that causes desolation. We talked about last week. We learned from Daniel chapter 9, 27, that this abomination occurs in the middle of the final seven. The middle of the tribulation time frame. Likewise, the return of the Lord at verse 30 refers to the second coming as we saw earlier the lord's return will occur occur 1260 days after the abomination that causes desolation likewise it will occur after the final 42 months 1260 days or time times and a half a time depending on the wording according to revelation 12 6 14 and 13 5 so the timing is coming but we don't know exactly when that will be when The trump will bless. And that brings us to the last thing. The the coming of the millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom follows the second coming according to a literal interpretation of scripture. This causes problems for putting the rapture and the second coming together or immediately one after the other. At the rapture, Christians are immediately changed, right? Immediately it says we'll be given our glorified body. Now, Now look at me for a moment. I don't know about you. But every day that passes, I look forward to that more and more every day that my knees hurt more and more and my back hurts more and more and my wife's stuffing me with with gummies that that keep my my system strong immunity system strong against the virus every day she reminds me have you taken your your airborne have you taken your if not here's three if you don't believe me She brought three to church for me this morning because she counted the bottle she bought for me and realized I hadn't taken them today and brings them to me before service starts. Like, here you go. You forgot them. Either two things, one or two things are happening there. Either she really, really loves me or I don't have enough insurance. if it is a much slower rate than what we presently see, the only explanation that allows us to see some entering the kingdom with their glorified bodies and others still entering with a physical body. Sure. Mm. And that's what we look forward to church. This is the sequence of events as laid out in scripture that will lead us to the glorious future world that those who trust Christ Jesus with their lives have to look forward to. And as we wrap this up this morning, and as I said at the beginning, there's a lot of stuff that we have unpacked and quickly walked through. But I want this to be your takeaway. As Christians, we have every reason for hope for the future and we should look forward to the day that Jesus returns for us to forever be with him. Amen. That's what this is all about. Everything. I, I like to say it like this. Our future is so bright, we got to wear sunglasses. And, and, and the way I spelled that on my notes is S-O-N. <laughs> Glasses. The sun. He's coming back again. He's coming for us in the rapture. And then the second coming, he's coming to take care of the final business that will await him. So the question is, as you close your eyes just for a moment with me. Is not, will we be a part of all these things? Because for sure we will. But where do we fit in with the rapture and the second coming? Will we be ready to go in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, when Christ comes that first time? When the trumpet sounds and the eastern sky splits, as it says, and Jesus steps out on the clouds to return his people with him. Will we be ready for that? Are we ready for that? Because as we discussed just a moment ago, it could be any moment. Nobody knows for sure. So here's our mission. Plain and simple. I'm a simple guy. I'm a simple preacher. I don't make any claims otherwise. Here, here's our mission. And it's two part. To live ready. To live prepared for the trumpet blast and Jesus to take us home. To be, as it says, raptured. called away is the, the, the terminology there. To be called away instantly. Faster than instant grits. And then the second part of the calling and the mission that we have upon us is to live a life that helps others be ready when the time comes when Jesus calls us home. So all I ask this morning is this. If you're in this room and you would say, Pastor, you know what? I need, I need a little bit of help in, in getting the mission right. I, I need, maybe it's for myself to be prepared, first and foremost, to be living ready so that at a moment, in that twinkling of an eye, whenever that trumpet blast comes, there's no doubt I am living ready to go home. If that's you in this room or watching right now, this is your day and your moment, your opportunity to fully surrender everything you are to Jesus Christ. So for just another moment with your eyes closed, in this room and outside of it, who would say, pastor I want to live ready I want to be ready I want to make sure of that right now that I belong to Jesus and I'm awaiting that trumpet blast in my own life can I see your hands if you're in here and would say pray for me yes sir yes sir yes yes ma'am yes yes thank you thank you who else would raise a hand and say don't forget me (laughs) some things that need to change in my life. And I prayed this morning as we were getting ready for services, I prayed this prayer and I I prayed God change every one of us. Change all of us, Lord. Transform every single person. Lots of time I pray for the sinner that's unrepentant to come in and, and God change their hearts. But this morning I prayed specifically, as I've done other times, God change every single one of us today who are a part in any way of this service. So if you're watching you need to do some business with the Lord, would you just let us know? Let Pastor Rob know online. Let let us know on the feed. Reach out and just say, hey, pray for me. And then secondly, today, if you're listening to this in any capacity, not only today, but in the days ahead, I want to ask this. If you would say to me, Pastor, you know what? There's some change that needs to happen in me For the second part of that mission, I need to be more aware of the people around me that are struggling, that are lost, that are dying, that are apart from Christ Jesus, that maybe are not ready with their lives. I don't want to be a person that just tries to ram it down their throats and just constantly beat them over the head with it. I want to be a vessel that the Holy Spirit lives in mightily and works through strongly to touch the lives of others for the kingdom of God with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a mandate. What a life well lived that we live ready ourselves and we live to help others get ready. So maybe in this room and maybe outside of it, you would honestly say, you know what? I haven't done as good a job with that as I need to. I haven't lived with that constant awareness that everybody I run into is a person that Jesus created, died for, loves beyond everything and wants to have as a part of his family. But God helped me from now on to change my perspective, change my heart change my life could I see your hands across this room if you say pastor pray for me this morning in that way yes 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 thank you thank you here's what I want to ask whether you raise your hands or not and those of you watching if you possibly can just stand up where you're at all across this room and all across this county and beyond just stand up I realize if you're in the car listening to this you can't stand up but just Set your hearts right right now towards the things of God. Folks, this is the most exciting time I believe that we are living in. The things that we've discussed briefly this morning are playing out. As each tick of the clock happens, we get one second closer to the rapture and then the second coming and all that will unfold and we get that much closer to eternity. The new heaven, the new earth. But until that day comes, we must occupy as the word charges us, which simply means do business until I come as my people. So if you're in this room, would you just lift your hands up to the Lord? If you're able to, wherever you're at right now, just lift them up, both of them. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not Pentecostal. It's not about that. It's about surrender. It's about living life surrendered to the King who has given us everything, everything we have need of. So, Father, right now, thank you for a church that is hungry. Thank you for a people that are living expectant. There's an expectancy, an urgency of the hour, God. These aren't just Bible lessons for us to soak in and then forget about and live the same way we lived all these years, God. These are words of life, truth, future, and blessing that are unfolding in our day and time and are yet to come, God. This is the future world that we have to look forward to. God, thank you for reminding us once again, for charging us here this morning at Connections Church, Belmont, North Carolina, that the rapture is on its way, that the second coming is following behind that, that these events are yet to come. And God, we have so much to look forward to. So let us live ready. Let us be ready. Let us keep our oil burning and our lamps full, God, not getting caught off guard, not getting lazy, not getting apathetic. God, not walking away from the life that we have in you, Jesus, ever vigilant we will be, God, because that is what you're calling us to as we live ready. Help us, God. Feel that urgency every day. Look at people different than we have up to this point. To see everyone as your creation, people that you love dearly, that you gave your life for, no matter how rough they may be. No matter how bad they may be. No matter how sinful they may be, God. You love them as much as you love us, God. You love us all and you desire that no man be lost but all be saved. Help us catch that, God. Help us live ready and help us prepare others to be ready as well. In Jesus' name, let's worship him together and invite the Holy Spirit to come fully and completely and overflow our lives, church.